Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. 
Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Broadcasting from the desert in the beautiful state of Arizona, I'm your host Ryan Gable and this is The Secret Teachings Radio, broadcasting worldwide, Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM, Saturday mornings for one hour, a special edition of the show on Aftermath FM. If you'd like to contact the broadcast, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. And check us out on Gab and Gitter by searching either my name, Ryan Gable, or by searching The Secret Teachings. You can also find us on Patreon to support the show. We have behind-the-scenes videos and more. It's kind of an interactive platform for you guys to tell me what you want to see and what you want to hear. That's over on Patreon, and there is a link on the website www.thesecretteachings.info If you go to the website, you'll find the free archive there for the Secret Teachings Monday through Friday and the one-hour Saturday morning show. You can listen to the shows for free with the embedded player on the website. You can also copy and paste the RSS feed into your podcast player so that you can listen to that feed without having to be on the website. You can listen on an application. makes it a little bit easier. You can also find links to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and others also on that same page. So you have three options to find the show, and I put it all together on the website for those of you who might struggle to get technology to work, kind of like I do. I've put it all together on the website for you. Or if you're having trouble listening to the show or downloading the show after it airs and you're not a subscriber to the archive, where we have the ad-free versions of the shows, we have the montages, etc. Just type in the show name again. So if you're on Apple, you're having trouble loading the show, we switched over to a new service. There were some technical issues. So just type in the secret teachings again. It takes five seconds and pull up the show and then you'll see the updated shows because the show has been updated uh, every day since the end of the year uh, or almost every day, you know, minus the weekends. So the show is there. But if you want the ad-free version of the show, you're going to get the embedded player with all the ad-free shows. You're going to get an RSS feed that you can also plug into those podcast players. It will provide you with the ad-free shows. You'll get the montages, and you'll also get digital copies of each of my books, which those digital copies of the books are essentially worth the cost of the subscription, considering how big these books are and how much they, they typically retail for. So you can get all of that. At thesecretteachings.info, just go to the website, www.thesecretteachings.info, and click on the Donate or Subscribe button at the top of the page. If you click on that, you'll see the options and what you get with your subscription. You, of course, support this show and help to keep us on air five nights a week. You are the only thing that keeps us on air outside of Patreon and outside of those of you who purchase my books. And we've we've sold quite a few books already this year, and I really appreciate the support. And I'm really happy to hear that those who have received the books, and and we've had a lot of them, so shipping has been, along with the holiday, shipping has been a little bit delayed. 
Um, I also had to get a PO box when I moved and, uh, you know, just got settled in a couple of weeks ago. So everybody's books should be on the way. There's a few I haven't sent out yet, but I'll be heading to the post office soon. So get your orders in so I can get those out as soon as possible. The website has a link to each of the books and you'll find information on the books, uh, whether it's reviews by other authors and researchers, et cetera. You'll find it all on the website. Again, the secret teachings info. And the last thing, of course, is Pro One Water Filters, our affiliate sponsor. They have been good to us, and you have been good to them, buying water filters, uh, replacement filters, uh, etc. Go to the website, click on the link to that. If you buy something, we get a percentage of that sale. If not, we don't get anything. It doesn't cost you anything either to check out their supply of water filters. Pro One Water Filters, also on the website at thesecretteachings.com info. I've been asked a lot recently, usually in the chat room over there on Discord, a big shout out to everybody in the chat. I've been asked a lot about my promo pictures and um, someone asked tonight, uh, what was this? Let me scroll up and see. Uh, someone had asked me if this was like, the last couple of nights people have asked me, "Is you know, are these promo pictures, are these like are these like, you know, album covers to bands? Uh, you know, where, where are you getting these? Where are you making these? And uh, I, I, I make all of these on free internet websites. Uh, I've got a couple of them I use. Don't really want to give away the, the trade secret, if you will. But I, I make all these promos myself all week. The Mass Formation Hysteria, the Bloody Valentine Show, the Point of Emergence, and tonight, the Mundus Fala Carerum. I don't know how to pronounce that in Latin. Falakiarum, something to that effect. It means world of illusions. And the the picture there is not something that I necessarily made. I, I, I edited uh, the picture in, in, like with filters. It's uh, a painting of an ayahuasca vision. And it's something that I saw in a book that I was reading. And when I went to make the promo today, I came across the same picture. And I thought, well, that's somewhat synchronistic, I think that might be an appropriate picture for tonight's show, which is the world of illusions. And maybe tonight's show, at least I think, you know, uh, being the host of this show, uh, I feel that, you know, this is the, this is a kind of thing that we don't really talk about on the secret teachings, although it is the essence, it's the epitome of what this show is all about. And, you know, I was, I was sitting down today making this promo and I was trying to think of how to, how to craft the show tonight. It was, it wasn't difficult. It was just more like, this is kind of a unique angle that, that I want to take on this. And I started thinking about human perception and how human perception is a really powerful, positive and negative. It's a very positive and negative thing, but it's also a very dangerous thing. Uh, not just negative, it's downright dangerous, especially when you mix human perception with ego and you weaponize human perception. And when you add on an unwillingness or an inability to acknowledge one's faults, you end up with a lot of problems. Human perception is also incredibly malleable, easily bent in the direction of whoever has more willpower. You, advertisers, smooth talkers, people that want something from you. I mean, whatever the will is, whatever will is stronger. That's the whole purpose and point and basis for magic. It's the directionalizing of the will. That's why you have the wand. That's why you have, depending on the tradition, that's why you, you have the sword, the willpower, the mind power, 
the, the soul essence. There's really no understanding in historical record, mainstream or otherwise, for how human perception of the world developed into or developed itself a, a complex system or various complex systems of religion. We can see how easily it is today with the use of magical words. You know, you died of something or you died with something. Big difference between those words. With magical words like that, with implications of thousands of people testing positive for something, these are things that lead to fear. They can be utilized in a terroristic way to obtain political ends by governments, by groups, by individuals. That's what we call terrorists, but we don't typically call government terrorists. But they conduct themselves in a manner that could be defined as terrorism. All governments do. And of course, the oldest trick in the book is playing on what some call the heart strings or playing on the heart, you know, uh, playing on people's emotions. So when, when you take magical words and implications and fear and terrorism and playing on the heartstrings, you're not only able to change perception, but you can cultivate a new authoritative religious system or cult. Now, there are some theories about these complex systems of religion, where they came from. Uh, man's concept of spirits and other worlds and sprites or elves and fairies, as they're more commonly known, even aliens are a result of the usage of hallucinogenic substances. At least that's, that's what some theorize. Along with a natural ability that, that some people have to tap into these other worlds or to tap into these experiences through ritualistic ceremonial dancing, deprivation of uh, food and water, so starvation, dehydration, starving yourself, dehydrating yourself, whipping yourself up into a frenzy, hyperventilating, I mean, even causing physical damage to the body, making oneself very sick, all things that can be used to put one into an altered state of consciousness. Uh, There's a professor named David Lewis Williams who is probably one of the most active proponents of this theory that hallucinogenic substances, psilocybin, ayahuasca, you know, raw DMT, these are things that can be used and have been used to put people into a state of mind or a state of perception that not only alters you know, their view of the world, but when you have so many people experiencing the same thing, it, it starts to alter, I think it starts to alter the collective perceptions of the world, at least when you become aware of how many people throughout human history have experienced these same things, whether that's in shamanic cultures, or it's UFO abductees today. There's a very strong parallel between the two, and that's something we're going to talk about tonight. But whatever the case, whatever the the theories are, whatever the the reality is, by accident, intention, or both, tens of thousands of years ago, 35, 40,000 years ago, man discovered that there were other worlds, whether they're pure hallucinations or they're physical realms or they're a combination of both. It doesn't really matter because... 
30, 35,000, 40,000 years ago, we, we have evidence in cave paintings and rock paintings that man saw the same types of things that people see today in hallucinogenic states. So there's something real. And whether real or not, by some contemporary definition, man sees these worlds today just as he did 40,000 years ago. Very anthropic beings, you know, half man, half animal, spirit guides, and experiences that are something from a Halloween movie or something from a horror movie where whether you're a shaman or you've been abducted by aliens, you know, weird surgical procedures and implants and breeding, that seems to be a common factor. Spirit partners, spirit spouses. I mean, even if you look at medieval into Victorian Europe, they didn't have flying saucers and aliens, and they didn't have, you know, very anthropic beings. They had fairies, sprites, elves, dwarves, you know, gnomes, things that would encourage one to come play in fairyland. And women in particular were brought into that world to, to nurse, well, what, what became known as fairy children. And then, of course, you have the idea of changelings replacing human children with these hybrid-like children. It's just, it's just a really interesting thing to think about. And I was, I was considering all of this for the show tonight, and I was thinking it's so easy to promise safety. It's so easy to project that that is your intention. Because who could argue with safety? Who could argue with security? Who could argue with safe and effective? Who can argue with paradise? And who can argue with better health? And whether in shamanic culture or people that take drugs more recreationally, whatever it is that they might see, you know, the fairies, the elves, they might see aliens, they might see, you know, big serpents, they might see, because that's what ayahuasca is. Ayahuasca is the the vine of the soul, and it's often portrayed as a, as a serpentine spirit. Whatever people are seeing, I mean, these things are, although some don't have to take the drugs to see them, people are able to slip into these altered states of consciousness through hallucinogenic substances. And it's interesting because if you're promising people safety, security, paradise, better health, etc., The people that are promising us these things in contemporary times are also selling us chemical concoctions manufactured by pharmaceutical corporations and sponsored by government, and they can induce the same religious and cult-like ideological belief systems. And these systems, contrary to shamanic tradition in particular, are not about self-exploration. They're not about growth. They're not about healing. They're not about any of that. I mean, not, not that because someone takes ayahuasca, they're on a healing journey. A lot of people use things recreational because they just want to get high. They want to experience something. And, you know, I'm not necessarily the judge, jury, and executioner of that. I, I, I see that as kind of disrespectful and kind of demeaning to the self if that's why you're taking it for recreational purposes. But, I mean, ayahuasca is a sacred thing. And, uh, you know, even, you know, the peyote cactus uh, psilocybin, magic mushrooms, these are all sacred substances. People abuse them, of course. It doesn't mean the substance is, is, is uh, you know, a negative thing that you should distance yourself from. Personally, you know, I choose not to use any of these things because I feel as if I can, I can access this stream of consciousness without 
you know, without having to utilize those things. That's just my opinion, my experience. But, but the point is to offer people, you know, healing, to offer people protection from disease, et cetera, all, all the things that we see in contemporary times and, and to offer them protection through pharmaceutical means is it's like an inverted, distorted and profane version of shamanic practices. If you think about it, because shamans, they go into the other world, they commune with spirits, they often undergo some form of bodily disassembly, uh, like the the wounded warriors or the wounded men in, in the cave paintings and, and rock paintings and drawings. And they learn and experience, uh, obtain all this knowledge, and they bring it back to their people and they use it to heal. But these pharmaceutical drugs, and you know, we'll call them what you will—vaccines, shots, etc. You know, all the chemicals, the pills. These things are putting us into a different altered state of consciousness. One that is not about exploration. One that is not about growth. One that is not about healing. That they're locking perception into a narrow bandwidth and controlling the physical body by extinguishing connection to source, which of course is at the root of what I call the technological elixir. It's the extinguishing of connection to source, not an opening up of connection to source. So we're basically seeing pharmaceutical companies act as these profane shamans and the drugs, the pills, the vaccines, the things that they offer to heal us as shamans are supposed to do don't actually heal us. And they certainly don't allow us to have otherworldly experiences. In fact, they lock us off. They block us. They prevent us from accessing those, those other worlds, those other experiences. I mean, I, I, I've had experiences myself, to give you a little bit of perspective. Um, I'm reading this book right now by Graham Hancock called Supernatural. And he references the spirit molecule, uh, molecule uh, the DMT book by, uh, by uh, uh, Strassman. Or Strassman, I don't know how you pronounce it. Strassman, Strassman. And some of the things that he was talking about in the book from his own experience, because Graham Hancock experimented with DMT, he experimented with ayahuasca. I went into the book not knowing a lot about those substances. And he got in, if you've read a Graham Hancock book, it's, it's usually very, you know, it's, it's very superb writing and it's very well, you know, detailed and documented. And so he went into the detail about these things. So I, I learned a lot. But when it came to the experiences that people had, I didn't learn as much as I thought I was going to learn. I realized whether from popular culture or whatever, I already knew the types of things that people saw, people experienced through ayahuasca visions and through through things like uh, psilocybin, uh, things like uh, you know uh, mescaline, things like DMT in particular. And some of the things that people witness, whether you know with DMT, it's a lot of you know uh, technological things, mechanical things. You call them machine elves or uh, circus characters, jokers, clowns, you know, these are very common things. These are things that are, were actually seen in uh, a great number by uh, a large percentage of Strassman's uh, trial participants. Uh, and, you know, when you have so many people seeing the same thing, and, and then you go back into shamanic culture and you have shamans and others that 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 choose to take part in these these ceremonies with with ayahuasca and other similar substances they're seeing the same thing they're seeing little little men little tiny green gray men you know similar to elves and fairies that are usually seen with green clothing you're seeing little green men 
You're seeing large black eyes. You're seeing these creatures transform into animals. You're seeing them transform back into some humanoid-type figure, then back into some other alien-like creature. And when you put all of this together, you start to realize, real or not, however you define real, you know, we're, we're always reminded of that scene in The Matrix. How do you define real? You know, what is real? How do you define real? It's just electrical pulses being interpreted by your brain, right? Morpheus tells Neo. Well, I, I started reading this stuff and I realized, you know, like I knew it, but it wasn't from pop culture and it certainly wasn't from doing ayahuasca myself. I started to realize I've had a lot of these experiences, not necessarily as an adult recently, but when I was younger, even up till I was about 19, 20 years old. And I've told, uh, I've told you, if you've listened to this show, uh, for any amount of time going back to 2010, uh, I, I've had these kinds of experiences that I really couldn't explain. And one of the ones that, that always kind of disturbed me the most was I, was I was laying on the floor in my room when I was in high school, and I remember staring at the clock. It was 4 a.m., right after the witching hour, and I felt this presence enter my room, a presence of four small semi-humanoid beings, and I remember feeling paralyzed, and I laid there, but, but I wasn't, it wasn't sleep paralysis because I remember that as it dissipated, I, I, could, I could suddenly, like I could perceive it, but it was, it was fading quickly. And I also had this instance immediately after that, that same night slash morning of, 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 of time loss, but actually a time gain. Technically, I gained a time, which was very strange. Uh, there's no reason to tell the whole story, but what I experienced, four beings in, in my room, paralysis and the altering of time and you know feeling that, that I'm being monitored or observed, and these are all things that people on ayahuasca, people on DMT, people on psilocybin, people on mescaline, people on all kinds of different hallucinogenic drugs are experiencing and have experienced for thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of years. So there, there's something real to it, and there, there, you know, at the base of this might be the origin of what we call the spirit world, uh, understanding that, depicting it. But understanding perception and, and using drugs as well can allow one to create altered states of consciousness to control the mind as opposed to free the mind. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. It is the world of illusions here on The Secret Teachings, www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com stay with us there's more after this it's the month of janice and the year of the tiger 2022 here on ktlk digital broadcasting the fringe fm the secret teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform from apple to spotify and podcast addict also available is the secret teachings weekends our one hour saturday morning show search the name and start listening today for free but if you want to avoid those annoying ads head on over to the secretteachings.info and subscribe to the ad free archive it's got old shows new shows and you can also download ryan's digital books subscribe today what are you waiting for the end of the world 
If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of my research in your hands, visit our website and grab physical and digital copies of my books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, theology, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. And food philosophy might just change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Remember, shipping is always included with the books. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and get your copy today. The Secret Teachings is now on Gab and Getter. Search Ryan Gable on both to find the show or stick with The Secret Teachings in the Metaverse. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Do you have everything you need to explore The Secret Teachings? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? Hey, this is Charlie Robinson, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. This is David Icke from davidike.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. So human perception is a very, very powerful thing. And if it's weaponized, it can be weaponized in a way so that the perception can be made malleable and altered so that the whole world paradigm, the whole perception of reality can be altered in a way that is almost irreversible. It changes uh, the brain chemistry, I think. You know, we see today that the use of magical words and fear and playing on emotions doesn't just change perception. It cultivates a new authoritative religious system or cult. And, you know, when when shamans use things like ayahuasca to travel into other worlds and then to come back and to provide healing knowledge and healing skills for their people, that's a spiritual practice. and there really isn't a clear theory on where religious practice at its core is derived from. And some people believe, and it's a, it's a theory that makes a lot of sense to me, Professor David Lewis Williams, Graham Hancock, and a number of others believe 
at least the evidence would suggest, that when you go back to about 30 to 40,000 years ago, 27,000 years ago in Africa, about 35,000 years ago in Europe, you look at cave paintings and you look at rock art and you see these therianthropic, half-human, half-animal creatures. You see things that are geometrical. You see things that, if one were, were to take ayahuasca today, would also see. And tens of thousands of years ago, our ancestors who had the same anatomical upright, you know, posture that goes back to, uh, you know, officially about 200,000 years. And you go back to looking at the brain and the brain hasn't really changed uh, in terms of, you know, traditional evolutionary theory for, you know, 50,000 years at least. So something happened within, you know, a a certain amount of time, it could have been thousands of years, of course, but something happened in human history that over all those tens of thousands of years, something clicked and man began to see these these things that today we would call alien or we would call spiritual. Uh, and, you know, it's not that there isn't an understanding in, in cultures that have practiced the use of hallucinogenic substances to jump into these other worlds, but how did they d- derive that knowledge or that understanding in the first place is a big, big question because of the way that you have to prepare you know, these various plants and vines to get them to, to work the right way. The thing that really, really is, is interesting to me about this is what happens when you when you go into these, these other worlds and you see these things, the, the, the shamanic experience is so similar that it's almost identical to that of, of so-called UFO abductees. It's also virtually identical to those people that believe in fairies, you know, whether it's, I mean, from medieval Europe to Victorian Europe. And even to this day, people still believe in fairies and fairyland and sprites, which are you know a combination of fairies and elves and different types of mythical-like creatures. But are, are they really mythical? Are they really just a fantasy? Are they really just something that is a hallucinogen, you know, or 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 a hallucinatory, a result of hallucinogenic uh, consumption? There's something real to them, and the shamans used these substances as they do today to heal people and i can't help but think that modern western shamans not the ones that make a mockery of of the ancient sacred practice but those that tell us they can heal us with drugs but they don't use these drugs to go into other worlds and communicate with spirits and obtain knowledge and then use it to heal people. They use drugs to make a profit. I don't have an issue with making a profit, but they use these drugs to make a profit and to control people. Whether it's promising somebody better health, promising that you'll be safe from a, from a virus, Promising people that they'll be, you know, they'll be protecting their family and friends if they take these drugs, these chemical concoctions. I mean, th- this induces a very similar religious and cult-like ideological belief system. And contrary to shamanic tradition in particular, these are not self 
exploration, self-growth, you know, personal healing experiences. These are experiences that lock people into a very uh, narrow, uh, rigid perception bandwidth, if you will, and control not only the mind, but the body. And by controlling the mind and the body, controlling the spirit by blocking it from accessing source, where it, you know, at least in philosophical terms, comes from the soul, the spirit, etc. So we can see how magical words, implications, fear, emotions, etc. can be used today to cultivate new authoritative religious systems, kind of a profane version of, of, of shamanism, you know, where you, you don't have a company, for example, a Pfizer, that is, is trying to help. You have a, a company that's trying to make a profit, and you have far worse ulterior motives that are, that are ultimately at the core, whether it's directly within a company like Pfizer or through those that are funding the company. And that really isn't the intention of tonight's show, but it's, it's really interesting. Some of the things that we've seen in the last couple of days, let me give you an example of this. On January 17th, the New York Times, you know, God, the New York Times said that the Centers for Disease Control is dealing with these new challenges. They are, quote, grappling with imperfect science. Well, that's interesting in and of itself, isn't it? They're grappling with incomplete, imperfect science. And there were three things in this article on the first page that just are stunning when you read them. It says, the agency is moving into uncharted territory. Why? Because they have to issue all of these recommendations at breakneck pace. It says, quote, the agency has issued recommendations based on what once would have been considered insufficient evidence. So, what they used to consider to be insufficient evidence no longer matters because they have to give the recommendations quickly. They're just basically skipping over any process of making sure that they have the right data, the right information. And that's not a theory. In fact, it even says in the article that the CDC's director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, has, quote, sometimes skipped much of the traditional scientific review process. That's a quote. It also says, quote, the challenge now for Dr. Walensky is figuring out how to convey this message to the public. The science is incomplete, and this is our best advice for now. So we went from the public perception, perception is very important, we went from the public perception that the CDC was the law of the land, they're not legislators, so they don't make laws, they make recommendations, Government officials can, can make laws. You know, they can make policy recommendations, but they're not, this isn't a legislative body, CDC. We've established that many times on this show. That's something that's really hard for people to comprehend. They issue recommendations. They're saying that they have insufficient evidence for what they are recommending. They are, they are skipping the traditional scientific review process. And the science is incomplete. This is just our best advice for now. Do what we say. I mean, so much so that they've even conceded that cloth masks don't protect against the virus at all. But even if you go places where they want you to wear a mask, wearing a cloth mask, it's okay because you're just covering your face and that's ultimately what it's about. 
or at least it seems that way. I mean, just after after all this time, suddenly cloth masks don't work. The CDC changes it, and they don't even have to have evidence or proof. It just is, they, in their own words, we, we're skipping the review processes. There's no evidence for this. It's just advice. That's all that it is. We're just giving advice, and, you know, whatever. You're still going to do what we tell you to do because we are the authority. You think about that for a second. This is precisely how a cult operates. You isolate people within the group, and and rather than love bombing the individual, which is what psych- psychologists or you know pe- people that study cults will say that the love bomb is one of the major steps in how a cult controls an individual. The opposite of the love bomb in this case is really fear, and people fall into uh, you know genuine categories of concern. And they turn to authority figures, believing that authority figures can, can help them or save them from what they're being told in the news and what they're being told by their doctor and what they're being told by social media. And they turn to these authority figures, and these authority figures promise to take care of them and promise to, to help them and promise to make things better again. And you know whether it's through love bombing, which is essentially what that is. We care about you. We're concerned with you. If people don't do what we recommend, they're trying to hurt you. I mean, it's, it's gaslighting. It's, it, it's a variety of different psychological conditions. Uh, it's also Stockholm Syndrome. It's Munchauser by proxy. It's, it's lying to people. <laughs> it's, it's a distortion of reality through the altering of perception. And this creates a cult-like or religious-like system of belief, a cult-like or religious ideological point of view, a perception of the world. It doesn't matter when you're told that they were wrong. All that matters is the belief. And this is what I've noticed over the last couple of days, I've noticed the CDC has lost a tremendous amount of credibility. This sets the stage for the World Health Organization and other perhaps international non-governmental agencies to take the place of the Centers for Disease Control. And a lot of people, doesn't matter their politics, that are upset with the CDC, they say, that's okay, the CDC is wrong, they're lying, Let's have some better authorities tell us what to do. Well, we also found out in the UK that the nudge unit of 10 Downing Street and the Pandemic Influenza Group on Behavior, the SPIB, used psychological warfare on the British people to get them to do things, to coerce them into doing things that they otherwise wouldn't do. We also know that the American Medical Association, Yale University, and the NIH, they've all done the same thing. We have all the papers. We have all the news articles. We have all the quotes, all the statements, saying that they've used perception control, mind control, psychological methods of coercing the population into doing precisely what they want them to do at precisely the time they want them to do that. Now, that is just otherwise 
You call that mind control. You call that controlling the mind through controlling perception. And you do that through terrorism. You do that through the implications of death and fear and fear of death and all of the other uncertainties confuse people and you build up authorities, tear down those authorities, build up new authorities, tear down those authorities. You restrict, you release, restrict, release. These are all psychological techniques and they're all about controlling perception and turning the individual free-thinking mind into another cog, another piece of material in the collective hive mind machine. And you can call it whatever you want to call it. If you want to refer to it as mass formation psychosis, refer to it as mass formation psychosis. I call it mass formation hysteria for a couple of different reasons, but it's basically mob collective hive mind thinking and ideology. It's a religious system. It's a cult. And at the core of that cult is using pharmaceutical drugs, pills, and vaccines to make yourself better. But although you take these things, they don't make you better, you refuse to acknowledge that you were duped. You refuse to acknowledge that these things didn't protect you because you find the confirmation bias. You, you find the evidence that they do protect you. So I hope that I'm explaining this adequately and in a way that is, that is understandable in relationship to how I'm processing this in my brain right now, because I thought a lot about this today. And I just can't help but think that those cult-like systems that, that we have, the, the psychological manipulation, the, the lying, the terrorism, the fear, the, the, the magical words that are used to, to law us into a slumber, all of these things are then focused on drugs and, and vaccines that can, that can save us, that can heal us. And when you compare that to the traditions of, of shamans using sacred substances, hallucinogens, using whether ayahuasca, DMT, which there is a little DMT in ayahuasca, but, but there's a lot of different you know, differences between the two when you take them separately, using these sacred substances and sacred plants to go into the other world and to acquire knowledge to help heal people, it's very similar to the very opposite of that, taking sacred plants, weaponizing them, altering them, chemically, genetically, etc., terrifying people, promising to heal the people, and then poisoning them and rather than opening and expanding their mind, plugging them into a system that disconnects them from source. That is what I call the world of illusions. And people see hallucinations in this state. It doesn't matter what reality is. What matters is what the guardian of the cult says. What matters is what you are told by the cult. Nothing else matters. Your brain becomes a, a piece of the cult. Now, if you think about the, 
the modern theory of ancient aliens, right? This idea of ancient aliens and that they're responsible for human development. It might not be too far removed from some version of historical reality. I don't necessarily think it's aliens that came down from the sky. Maybe it was in part, but it could have been aliens that came from within. It's very interesting to say the least that such ideas have developed into a religious dogma of their own. They've, they've developed into almost like a cult, not necessarily a dangerous cult, but a cult nonetheless, a religious-like belief system nonetheless. And although there exists an institutional component to such you know, beliefs, um, overall it seems that the idea of ancient aliens in contemporary times is actually far more ancient than new. You got TV shows, you got T-shirts, you got Giorgio's hair, but these aren't new concepts. They might be new to some people, but they're not new concepts. After all, where did the concept of God come from? Where did the concept of otherworldly beings come from? It it wasn't you know ancient aliens that developed this idea. The, the idea that beings from somewhere else assisted in human development is an idea that goes back to uh, a time period that we can't really comprehend. 25, 30, 35, 40,000 years ago, and arguably before that? Was it simply the animistic idea that all things are endowed with spirit and that there must exist some hierarchy to spirit as there exists in human society? And if so, where did these unseen otherworldly concepts originate from? Where did the spirit originate from? Where did these ideas come from? And furthermore, if they are accurate, where are these otherworldly beings where are the the spirits the fairies the elves the sprites the therianthropic beings and where are the aliens where where do they come from is it a physical plane is it a is it a spiritual plane if you will a non-physical plane that interacts with the physical world is the spirit world the the energy the fuel the animating force of the physical world? Does it need the physical world to survive? And does the physical world need the spirit world to survive? I mean, these are all you know, very, very valid and uh, some philosophical, some scientific, some almost theological questions that are really important to understand what exactly reality is, what exactly our daily lives mean in regards to things that, are driving us into a collective, hive mind, one-size-fits-all perception of the world. According to the theory of Professor David Lewis Williams, who I mentioned earlier, prehistoric cave and rock art around the world preserves the expression of our oldest conceptualized ideas of an other world of souls, spirits, supernatural beings, and other dimensions. It's theorized by David and people like Graham Hancock in his book Supernatural that explorations of these worlds were initiated through ASCs, or Altered States of Consciousness, specifically brought about through the consumption of psychoactive plants. Altered States of Consciousness can also be entered through dehydration, starvation, hyperventilation, rhythmic dancing and drumming, illness, and self-mutilation. One of the most famous of these sources of psychoactive drugs is ayahuasca, the vine of the dead, or the serpent vine. And you have to mix this, this... plant, the Psychotria veridis, you have to mix this plant with with other things in order for the DMT, the dimethyltryptamine, to activate. Because otherwise the stomach will 
uh, will prevent it from from activating the, the the monoamine oxidase in the stomach, which is natural, destroys DMT on contact. So you have to mix it with something that has a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, and you you find that in uh, another plant that when you mix with this psychotria veridis, it creates the ayahuasca that is you know that is very very famous. Uh, the plant that is traditionally mixed with it is Banisteri opsos copy, a member of the, I think it's called the Malpigia family. I'm not a botanist, but I just, I, I kind of, you know, remember these, these words, but I don't know if I'm pronouncing them correctly. But I'm going to be honest here. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm, I'm, I tend to butcher things. But, you know, other plants or drugs that induce similar states of awareness include, you know, psilocybin, Things like mescaline, uh, which is a psychoactive alkaloid derived from peyote cactus. But ayahuasca is probably one of the most famous. Ayahuasca in particular has been utilized as a sacred substance for exploring altered states of consciousness for literally tens of thousands of years. How it was discovered, that's anybody's guess. Maybe it was aliens. Maybe it was an accident. But whatever the case, ancient peoples figured it out and continued to, 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 to seek it out, how to perfect this practice. And, you know, things like peyote cactus is, is sacred, not just the components that go into ayahuasca. Uh, and the things that, that you experience on these hallucinogens, according to researchers, I, I've never done them. I, I have not a moral block against it, but I, I understand Graham Hancock's argument that if he's going to study it, he should do it. I, I personally don't want to do these things because I've experienced a lot of the same things that people who claim that they've been on these you know, drugs for exploration purposes of what they've seen. And I don't feel that I, I don't have a need to do it. I just don't, I don't like that idea. I feel like I can take control of it without having to do these types of things. But the point is, what you see are things like entopic phenomena, abstract geometrical patterns, therianthropic beings, half animal, half human. These are the two most common visions documented by shamans when taking these substances. They're also things that people who are you know, just experimenting, recreational or not, and the recreational part is what I kind of have a problem with personally. That's the only thing that really irritates me about it. When people take these sacred substances and do it just to get high, I, I think that's that's kind of uncalled for. That's kind of um, you know a little bit dismissive and, and demeaning. But the point is that they see the same things the shamans see. And people that you know have interacted with, and, and this happens in contemporary times too. If you read Linda Godfrey's books, we've had Linda on the show before. She talks about little people and fairies and there's a case of a guy up in British Columbia. There was another, I think there was at least one case in Canada, you know, people interacting with gnomes or fairies. And, you know, these are just, these are just people. They're not trying to find fame. They're not trying to, they're not trying to write the next big book or be on coast to coast or, you know, they're just people that experience these things. So people are experiencing these things today, not on hallucinogenics. And it, it, it makes you think you have to ask the question, why are people from shamans to people that live in the United States today 
a wealthy, powerful country which has essentially eliminated culturally any kind of perceived superstition. Anything that can be perceived as a superstition is eliminated in our culture for the most part. And people are having these same experiences. So there, there's a commonality. And uh, you know some of these drugs just allow you to access those worlds. But you know, some shamans can enter those worlds, you know, at will or through, you know, the psychoactive substances or reaching altered states through, uh, you know, dehydration, things like that to communicate with these spirits on the other side. And their goal is to use these energies for healing purposes. Shamans obtain spirit guides. Shamans receive these spirit guides sometimes at a young age. And these spirit guides are sometimes, you know, animals, half animal, half human, therianthropic. And these are some of the same things that we find in alien abductions, same thing we find in fairy abductions, the same thing that we find in various cultures all throughout the world, all throughout history, going back tens of thousands of years to upper Paleolithic uh, prehistoric cave art, cave paintings. So there's certainly a connection between all of this. And today we have another form of shamanism. It's more of like a, a perverse shamanism. People that are promising to heal you and utilizing chemicals, synthetic or otherwise, and drugs to put you into an altered state of consciousness and to put you into a cult-like ideological collective perception of reality and at the same time acknowledge that they're literally controlling you through fear and words and psychology. And people are so absorbed in the cult, which is what it is, they, they can't fathom that that's real. Their perception has been so utterly warped. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Check out the website, subscribe to the show, grab one of my books, thesecretteachings.info. There's more after this. Stay with us. So are we. KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available is TST Weekends. Search the show name and start listening today for free. If you want to avoid those annoying ads, subscribe to our ad-free archive with our oldest shows, a private RSS feed, our montage archive, and Ryan's digital books. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. 
If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. We must seize the means of production. Stop it, Vlad. You know the rule. No communism. Mama, if we just get rid of all these successful people, we'll finally be happy. No, honey, that just means we'll all be poor. Freedom-loving parents have long been left alone to shoulder the burden of educating their children and passing down a love of liberty. While there are a few books that teach these ideas to adults, there seem to be fewer that teach them to children. The Tuttle Twins series changes all of that, helping parents convey the principles of freedom to their kids in a fun way. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate link for the Tuttle Twins to get your curriculum and books today so that you can educate yourself and your children on how to adhere to the principles of liberty for all people. So if you have offspring and don't want them supporting socialism, then click the link and order the Tuttle Twins books today. Stalin has no stunning new achievements unless you consider killing millions of innocent people an achievement. For a lot longer than most podcasts have been around, The Secret Teachings has been at the forefront of unique investigation into both the mundane and the extraordinary. Critical thought and controlled speculation allowed us to determine that the much-anticipated UAP report would be vague, unexplained, and would simply imply the need for defense against national security threats. We determined that sonic weapons were the cause of Havana Syndrome a full year before CNN acknowledged the same. We told you about the mind-controlled magic, sex slavery, and intellectual theft in the music industry long before Britney Spears spoke out about her conservatorship, and we've been removed from radio for refusing to censor our show over international child trafficking networks and sex cults long before Epstein didn't kill himself. This has been done with no budget, only your support, and a will to learn and succeed. And you can continue to be a part of the Secret Teachings journey as we broadcast Monday through Friday after lighting the void with Joe Roop, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. It's 1.02 a.m. here in beautiful Arizona, Tucson, Arizona. The date is Friday, January 21st, 2022. Started the show Thursday, January 20th. 2022. For those of you who don't know, my birthday is actually in nine days. I'll let you guys guess how old I am. People guess that I'm either really young or that I'm really, really old. 
See if anybody in the chat room can guess how old I'm going to be. My birthday is uh, January 30th. So just about nine days. Actually, it's, it's the next weekend. Oh, and the Super Bowl's coming up too. That's going to be fun because we'll do our annual Super Bowl show and we'll have a show probably, I'd assume, with Clyde Lewis do that annual Super Bowl analysis that we do every year that now everybody does. Everybody's an analysis, you know, an analysis expert of the Super Bowl halftime show. And, and, and let me guess, the analysis is going to be satanic, reptilian, blood-drinking, Illuminati, right? I'm sure that's exactly what people are going to say. It's, I'll predict that right now on the show. That's what you're going to find all over the internet. Illuminati confirmed halftime presentation. Just really, really shoddy investigative work. You know, just that's the Facebook forensic experts for you. But uh, yes, I will be Wolf in the chat room, 31. Yes, I'll be 31 years old. I don't feel like 31. I don't know what I feel like. I, I feel like every day is is a hallucinatory experience, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you. And yeah, I've never been on a hallucinogenic substance you know, I don't drink alcohol. All right. I don't even eat meat. I, I don't, I abstain from, from virtually anything that could, that could aggressively, let's call it aggressively. I abstain from anything that can aggressively impair my judgment. You know, the only thing that I probably do that's, that's not good is I don't get enough sleep. I don't necessarily have an issue with hallucinogens. What I have an issue with is people abusing them for recreational purposes. I have kind of a personal issue with that. And the other thing about hallucinogens that are that I find to be interesting, which is what sparked tonight's show, is the idea that they could have been used and how they were how this was figured out. Who the hell knows? Maybe it was aliens. I don't know. But how you find in a jungle Psychotria veritas, and then you, you realize, well, that doesn't have any effect because the stomach neutralizes the, the monoamine oxidase. It neutralizes the DMT. So we find a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, and we'll find that in another plant, the Banistera eopsis copy. I think is how you pronounce it. I don't, who in the hell knows how to pronounce these words. I'm not a botanist. I don't speak, you know, this language, but you find these two things work together and, and you've got ayahuasca, you know, or the mescaline derived from the peyote cactus or psilocybin. And there's so many different kinds of mushrooms. And how many trial and errors did you have to go through? Like that mushroom kills you, that mushroom prevents heart attack, <laughs> that mushroom, you know, helps to, to, to prevent heart attack. It, you know, thickens the blood or thins the blood. It was like lion's mane helps with, you know, blood, uh, blood thickness or something. It helps with the, the heart pumping blood, uh, cognitive function. Like how do you figure that out? I mean, today we have laboratories, but how do you figure that out? 35,000 years ago, 40,000 years ago, you know, with, with the evidence that we have, it seems that what was painted on walls, caves, 35, 40,000 years ago is exactly what people see today. And they don't even have to be on ayahuasca to see it. They're seeing it when they're abducted by aliens, or at least that's what they believe they're being abducted by. They see it when they're interacting with fairies, you know, or with elves or dwarves. Yeah, people still see that kind of thing. We laugh at that here in the United States, but that's, that's still a common thing in Europe. 
People still see crap like that. People still see crap like that in the, in the States. People see that stuff in Canada. Go read Linda Godfrey's book, I Know What I Saw. And she's got stories in there of South America, of Canada, of the United States, of people seeing things that, that, things that range from elves to something that looks like Gollum in a cave. And I think it was in, and a guy took a picture of it too. And it, it's a very real photograph she's got in the book. And I think it was like, I think it was in Chile or something. It was in a cave. And I mean, you, the, the, who, who has any idea of, of what reality is really? Do we, do we have any idea? I mean, when you look at the Strassman study on DMT, he didn't even believe. He wrote that he didn't even believe essentially what he was. He wasn't expecting to see people you know, in his experiment, in his, in his test, which was about the, 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 the medical and the therapeutic effects of DMT, to see people react to seeing circuses and clowns and, and jokers and, and so many people seeing the same thing. And it's interesting because, you know, with DMT, you have a lot of people that see things that are mechanical and machine-like. And, and I'm, I'm almost done reading this book by Graham Hancock called Supernatural. And he's talking in this book right now. I'm, I'm toward the end of it. He's talking about DMT. And he's talking about how when, when he did it, he got a very similar effect from it. And, you know, I've heard this phrase before. That he's talking about the machine elves and these creatures that are elf-like, kind of alien-like maybe even insect-like. And it, it's, it, what you see is, it's like a lot of, you see static and waves and you see things that are like little creatures running around and things that's like a circus. It's just a weird, I mean, is it, is it all the subconscious? Is, is it all popular culture? Is it all movies? Or is a lot of popular culture and movies influenced by what man has always seen in these altered states of consciousness? I, I couldn't help but think that DMT, which occurs naturally in the body, and you don't need a lot of it to, to slip into these, these altered states of consciousness, that this kind of projects us consciously using the matrix as you know our, our, our symbol here, the, the movie The Matrix, that is. It's like it takes us into the machine world. It, it shows us the code. It shows us what is running things, you know, the mechanics of what is running biological consciousness. And maybe that's not at all what it is. I mean, I don't know. Strassman didn't know. Graham Hancock doesn't know. Uh, people like David Lewis Williams don't know. Um, you know, you, you might have taken some mushrooms. You might have taken some ayahuasca even. You probably don't know, but it's a good. There's a good chance that you've you've seen the same thing that other people have seen. Some people, though, they don't see anything, and it could be the dosage. It could be you know other things that you've consumed. Your state of mind, your con- the level of consciousness, what you're expecting to see, what you're let you're letting go of. I mean, there's a lot of factors that play into this. A lot of factors that play into this. But when when you start comparing shamanism to what people see in contemporary times, alien abductions or just, you know, experiments like Strassman's or it's just people that are recreationally using, they see the same thing. I mean, almost ex- ex- it's exclusive to these substances, certain types of 
of visions that you see, but you, across the board, all these substances, you get a very similar thing. You get uh, geometrical figures, which I guess you could kind of you could kind of expect that, but you get you get this entopic phenomena, and you get therianthropic beings. And so, when you look back in history, look back thirty thousand years, thirty five thousand years, twenty something thousand in Africa, thirty something thousand in in Europe. You look back and you see the complexity of of these you know, what otherwise might just look like scribbling on a wall. And you think, oh, these were ignorant people that just saw animals and merged them with humans and they thought it was funny. It's like, no, they, when you, when you go into an altered state of consciousness, you see these therianthropic beings. You see these half animal, half human things. And these half animal, half human things are also seen and strongly associated with the UFO phenomena whether it's the owl or even in cryptozoology. I mean, if you read Linda Godfrey's books, she doesn't mention anything about hallucinogens. And uh, the one book in particular that, that I'm thinking about, which is I Know What I Saw, she talks about the dogmen, right? The dogmen or the wolfmen. I mean, although things can influence us subconsciously, uh, popular culture, I mean, for example, somebody was seeing Anubis in their room. Maybe they just watched the mummy, but even the idea of Anubis, the jackal-headed deity with the human body, came from somewhere, came from ancient Egypt, sure, but where did that concept come from? I mean, is it a physical thing that came from the sky, a physical god? Is it partly a metaphor, a symbol, as Manly Hall suggested? Manly Hall suggested that when you see these therianthropic beings, it's a representation that we are connected to nature and the animals represent, you know, symbolically certain things like a lion is strength, for example, and a lion is connected to the sun in terms of sympathetic magic. So the lion has a, has a specific symbolic meaning. You know, the jackal has a specific symbolic meaning. Uh, the ibis head of Thoth, uh, the, the hawk, Horus, which is also, you know, uh, like like an eagle, a majestic bird uh, has this incredible sight into the into the, the distance, the future. And there's a lot that goes into what these symbols represent and what they mean. They can mean different things, of course, in different cultures. The the lion is not the king of the jungle in China. The 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 tiger is the king of the jungle, if you will. So it changes in different cultures. The serpent is really evil in the West, but it's really sacred in the East. You could even say, even though it's evil, it's also sacred in the West, but it's, it's, it's a deceptive trickster in the West, but it's also, you know, although it's, it can be seen that way in the East, it's, it's really ultimately a really powerful symbol of wisdom and knowledge, etc. And I think part of the reason for that is because, when, when, I mean, you just look at ayahuasca itself. Ayahuasca is the vine of the dead, uh, the vine of the soul. It is the serpent vine. Uh, shamans call the, the ayahuasca serpent, uh, you know, or they call the serpent the ayahuasca serpent. It is the, 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 the serpent vine that you see serpents, a lot of serpents. That's part of the, of the experience. So, I mean, that probably for a very long time, that's why serpents were, are so revered. I mean, you could, I'm sure you could even make an argument and be like, well, the church knew about these altered states of consciousness and they knew that the serpent was 
was part of the thing that leads you through them, and that's a positive thing to expand consciousness and awareness, and the church decided, let's demonize the serpent. I mean, you could make that argument. I don't know how, how much water it holds or how valid it is, but you know, there's a lot of people today that claim that they're shamans because they carry staffs around like a wizard. Okay, I've been to conferences. I've seen the hookers. I've seen the prostitutes. I've seen the, 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 the strippers. I've seen the, the people that are off their meds or on their meds. I've seen genuine people, you know, I've seen genuine people that are trying to, to, uh, to be something, you know, because they don't have anything else going on in life. I've seen people that are genuine in their spiritual practices. Ryan, who are you to judge? Who am I to judge? But, you know, there are some people you can tell that are just con artists and some people you can tell that are genuine. My experience is just as valid as you dismissing it. But, you know, people that claim that they're like shamans, you know, I have a problem with that. Uh, People that carry staffs like wizards, they wear crystals around their head and they have clothing on that they feel expresses their connection with Mother Earth. Maybe it does. I don't know. But the actual practice of shamanism is anything and everything but what these people exude. Shamans almost always must go through a process of suffering, torture, pain, and death before they're reborn as healers. Luckily, And despite the realistic experience, much of this occurs in the spirit world. Shamans are pierced by spears, just like Odin, just like Christ, just like all the wounded men characters with spears or or thorns or projectiles puncturing their body. Uh, One of the famous ones at Peshmerl, the various different caves all over Europe from the Upper Paleolithic period, uh, tens of thousands of years ago, you see the and you see the same thing in in uh, in the east you see the same thing in the west you see this all over the world at different time periods man discovered these things perhaps by accident and tried to rediscover them and 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 utilize these natural processes to enter into these altered states of consciousness and you see these these uh you know these these beings in these paintings, in these the rock carvings, these these wounded men, and it's like Odin hanging on the cross. It's like um, Jesus hanging on the cross, pierced in the side by a spear. That is is the archetype. It's you know uh, Prometheus. Prometheus is tied down to a rock and has you know his his uh, organs eaten out of his body. Kind of a you know horrific thing, but that's that's the story, and it's the same story in you know Jesus, Odin, <laughs> Prometheus. It's it's the same thing over and over again, and you see it in all of these these like wounded men images, and, and you know it's like you, you start to see those archetypes, and and you, you you have to acknowledge if you're a reasonable person that there's something that is that is not relatable, not coincidental. There is something absolute about it. I mean, shamans are not only pierced by spears, they levitate in the air to the other world. They climb invisible vines or ladders, just like Jacob's ladder in the Bible. And interestingly, they suffer from what amounts to medical experimentation as told by alien or UFO abductees today. In fact, when one compares shamanic experience with the experience of those claiming to have been abducted by aliens, there's a baffling alignment of the two. And keep in mind that the latter are relatively recent in human history. 
Alien abductions are a relatively recent thing, at least how we define them, how we interpret them, how we perceive them. I mean, but, but, you know, of course, Carl Jung even referred to, you know, the presence of aliens or UFOs that although they were published and publicized largely during the, the end of the Second World War, the phenomenon itself was known long before. Carl Jung said it was, quote, observed in the first half of this century, the 20th century, and was described in earlier centuries and perhaps even in antiquity. In my book, The Technological Elixir, I actually have a whole section on UFOs, and there, there's uh, cases that go back to B- B.C. They called them flying shields, you know, or you know, a flaming shield. Called a shield, called a flying boat, called a flying saucer. It's the same thing. It's there. What is it? Don't know, but it's based on what the people of the time period know. We know spaceships today. We don't know battle shields. You know, we don't really know, like, you know, boats made out of reeds and wood. So, obviously, we don't see boats in the sky. We don't see baskets in the sky. We don't see, you know, like, things that aren't relevant to our culture, uh, that aren't a culturally acknowledged or accepted uh, element. We know spaceships, though, so we see spaceships, perhaps, but there's still something there. There's still something that's that's in the air. Or there's still something that's in your bedroom. There's still something outside your window, looking in your window like the owl, looking in your window like the dog man. A shaman may experience lances or arrows penetrating their body, sharp objects penetrating their flesh, body parts and organs being removed like brains, and the implementation of surgical procedures to implant foreign objects like crystals into their head or neck. Kind of sound familiar, doesn't it? If I just said... What would you call somebody who had their body pierced by sharp objects, organs in, like, removed? They dealt with, you know, something that was akin to a breeding experiment. You know, sperm was extracted, uh, you know, eggs were extracted, and they had implants put in their body, and all of this happened in some otherworldly setting. You'd probably call it an alien abduction because that's what it sounds like, but these aren't alien abductions. These are shamanic experiences of shamans who have experienced the other side through hallucinogens like ayahuasca. I just posted the uh, the Peshmerl wounded man in the chat, for those of you who are interested. That's just one of numerous wounded men. If you type in wounded men, you'll, you'll find it, I'm sure, all over the internet. The wounded man. That, that's from Peshmerl, very famous cave over on the Discord chat. So, you know, if you, if you compare this to alien abductions, you find it's, it's really all the same. And, and shamans also are taken into the sky uh, through levitation. Uh, again, they climb ropes or vines or ladders, and sometimes they're taken underwater. The most common location away from the sky are underground caverns with large crystals. And in, in comparison, uh, this is a quote I took from Graham Hancock's book, alien abductees are victims to, quote, the humiliating and traumatizing experience of being subjected by the abducting entities to forced medical examinations and to painful and incomprehensible surgical procedures that often leave behind permanent visible scars and sometimes even mysterious implants, end quote. 
I mean, alien UFO abductees experience much of the same torment that shamans experience upon initiation. And a lot of UFO abductees come back like shamans do. They didn't go into it intentionally, but they might slip into this hallucinatory state and they experience things that lead to them realizing I'm not the only thing. There's more to life and there's nothing necessarily to be afraid of. That's what the aliens tell you. Don't be afraid. This is for the betterment of your species. It's kind of like that <laughs> that episode of the X-Files. The, um, it's, I think it's my favorite episode. Uh, Jose Chung's from Outer Space. and Lord Kim Bowden. I think um, Jesse Ventura's in it. He's one of the men in black. He tells the guy, the only thing you saw tonight was Venus. No object in the sky has been misidentified more than the planet Venus. That, that's all that you saw. It's one of my favorite episodes. And in that episode, the girl and the guy that are abducted by aliens, they start going through this regression and they find that it's, it's not really aliens. It's actually the U.S. Air Force. And the Air Force is putting the alien abduction narrative into their minds to cover up that they are abducting the humans. And that's a whole nother angle to this of alien abductions that aren't really alien abductions. They're not really hallucinogenic states. They're real abductions. They're just not being carried out by little green little gray insectoid or reptilian creatures and men. Uh, you know, this, this is a, a jolting thing when you, in my opinion, when you recognize the similarities because it, it, it's implying, as we continue to go through this, it's implying a lot. UFO abductees are levitated out of cars, houses, even through walls and windows to ships in the sky or to facilities underground or, and or underwater. And Graham Hancock affirms the same. He says, quote, Similarly, most accounts of shamanic initiations also begin with a sky journey because the realm of the gods and spirits is located in the sky. And, you know, the thing is, the Tucano god of hallucinogenic snuff is in the Milky Way, known as Vijo Mahase. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Vijo Mahase. And this god of hallucinations reminds me of T.S. Ketlapoca, which is the Aztec god of hallucinations. And this is what they've got kids in California schools chanting. T.S. Ketlapoca, T.S. Ketlapoca. Again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. You know, I get tripped up on Quetzalcoatl. I just, you know, I, I get the cop out. I just say the plum serpent. <laughs> but it, it, they're having these kids chant the name of gods of hallucinations, gods of illusion for reasons that are probably far more complex than than what we can that we we can perceive on just on the surface you know analyzing them on on this show in relation to other things that are similar it's why not chant the you know the name of the god who is a god of like bringing culture and teachings not a god who is the god of cannibalism and hallucinations that's bizarre right you know, once the alien abductees, you know the story, once they're there, the abductees suffer medical experiments involving long needles, sharp objects, removal of organs, utensils inserted into the nostrils, and implants. They get implants too. Some even interpret their experiences with these beings as an enlightening one that they then utilize to help others, just like shamans. Many see the aliens, quote-unquote the aliens, like shamanic spirits. They see them as spirit animals, you know, the owl, and therianthropes. They see them as healers, helpers, and teachers. And alien abductees most often report these small beings between two to four feet in height, the greys. These are the same things that, you know, people report seeing fairies. They, fairies wear green, the little green men. 
Uh, the spirits of the, 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 the shamanic uh, spirit guides. They get taken when they're young. UFO abductees get taken when they're young. It, it just all comes together. And we have to ask, is this a world of illusions or is it something more? And you can utilize the understanding of these things to control people's perception of the world. And rather than using drugs to help people, using plant substances to help people and going into the other worlds to help people, what we have now are pseudo-shamans in the form of pharmaceutical companies, politicians, doctors that claim to be able to heal us through the exploitation of the plant kingdom, synthesizing synthetic drugs and chemicals, pumping us full of them, and disconnecting us from these other worlds. I'd say that it's, it's more than supernatural pareidolia and it's more than paranoia. There's something powerful to all of this. And we'll continue to examine it here on The Secret Teachings after break. The music, White Bat Audio. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com, www.thesecretteachings.info. There's more after this. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available as TST Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the show name and start listening today for free. And if you want to avoid those annoying ads, visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our ad-free archive with some of our older shows included. You'll get a private RSS feed and access to the montage archive and my digital books. Subscribe today or listen to the free show archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info 
People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey there, this is Greg Carlwood of the Higher Side Chats, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Human perception is a very, very powerful and dangerous thing. And I am always cautious of discussing hallucinogenic substances, LSD, ayahuasca, psilocybin, mescaline, you name it, because there's something to me intuitively, there's something energetically that says, Ryan, don't touch those things. And I can promise you it's not some religious conviction. It's not even a moral conviction. It's just I've had so many experiences, especially when I was younger, of things that you really cannot explain through psychology and, you know, understanding the subconscious and understanding how the mind works. They're things that, honestly, until... About six hours ago, we went out to watch the, the sunset at the, uh, the Tucson Mountain Park. And uh, Hope was doing her thing, and I decided to take a book, and I kind of walked down the trail some. And I was reading about some of these accounts of the Strassman study on uh, Strassman, Strassman, the Strassman study on DMT. And I just, it just clicked with me. I, I, I thought, oh my God, I, I've had these same experiences. I didn't see clowns. But I've experienced the presence of usually four, four entities in my room, whether it were the presence of these entities or the examination of my body, nothing was ever done to it. And I was not always in a state of paralysis, so it wasn't always sleep paralysis. Having instances of time disturbances and distortions and having this feeling that I'm being watched and it's not always a bad thing I mean one of the most bizarre experiences I remember and I I would imagine if you asked my mom she would remember this I, I had to have been I mean I was still living in Florida at the time I was very very young I mean, this was like when Harry Potter, I think, first came out around that time, maybe a little bit before it. So this was a while ago. And I remember watching the walls in my house when I was a kid, watching the walls in the house drip with blood. And I saw these 
African, I assume they were African, tribal masks on the wall and like these burning tiki-like torches. And that experience is, is still at 30 years old and in nine days I'll be 31. That experience has to be at least 20-something years ago. And it is just laser etched into my mind that 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 vision that that thing that I saw and I was fully awake when I saw it. I, I and I I expressly just like vividly remember that I I remember those beans in my room when I was a kid. Even when I got older, sometimes it was a good feeling. Uh, a, a not even I wouldn't even call it telepathy. It was a sense of knowing. There's something watching you, but it's okay. It wants to protect you. I mean, these are things I, I, I experience. And, and I listen, I grew up in a Baptist home, if that tells you anything. I wasn't watching scary movies, folks. The scariest movie I saw when I was a kid was, this will maybe be a little embarrassing for me, but I, I think it's funny, is the the skeleton from that Halloween movie for kids. What It was like... Halloween, some like high school. How was that movie? Halloween Town. It was a Halloween. It was Halloween Town. That skeleton Benny just he just terrified the hell out of me. I didn't watch anything. There was nothing in my subconscious to allow me to have these experiences. I mean, I even had experiences where I, I was laying in bed, and I had, and again. Folks, this was before like Jurassic Park and all of this. Okay, so this I was really young. I saw almost like etheric dinosaurs in my room. You know, if I if I could market well, I could sell a book. I could go on radio shows. I don't talk about this stuff because it sounds insane, and I also feel that it's disrespectful to something, I don't know what it is, to just blab about it all the time. So I keep these things to myself. And I've told them on a handful of shows before, but I, I mean, I saw like a triceratops, I swear to God, walk through my room. And one of the most bizarre things, and, and bizarre for esoteric reasons, occult reasons, magical reasons, historical reasons, symbolic reasons, archetypical reasons, a lot of other reasons. When I was a kid in that same room, I remember... There, I woke up one night, not paralyzed. That didn't happen until later in, in life. I sat there in bed. I, I laid there. I sat there in bed, you know, kind of like up against the pillow because I always had trouble sleeping. And I saw, I swear to God, I swear to Allah, I swear to Osiris, I swear to whomever, I saw a diamond, not like a, an engagement ring diamond, but like a diamond, you know, if you drew one two-dimensionally. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the two triangles that are going to be superimposed, the water and fire, male and female. And you have this diamond, and it's purple. It's glowing purple, and then it starts rotating in three dimensions. And, and, and when I was at Contact in the Desert a couple of years ago, this was back in like 2016, I went up to Linda Moulton Howe after one of her talks, and something that she was saying in the talk was something that I had experienced. So I went up and told her, and she said, can we, can we talk for a few minutes? Uh, do you have a second? And I was like, Linda Moulton, how? Of course I can talk for a second. This was before the alien video game thing. You know, I still, I still respect um, Linda Moulton, how I still like Linda Moulton, how. And she, she took me out. We went out to a little seat in the desert there. And I 
I, she taught, she like interviewed me, but like in she taught, well, we talked, but it was like an interview kind of a thing, you know, she's, that's all she does. So she, that's how she talks. And she's asking me all these questions. And I told her all of this and we didn't really come to a conclusion on anything, but she was the first person I told that story about the purple diamond. I'm, I'm telling you all this, whether it's the dinosaur or it's the purple diamond or it's the, the beans in the room, the four beans. I'm telling you these things because these are visions and things that people experience when they're tripping, when they're on LSD, when they're on ayahuasca, when they're on DMT. I mean, different things for different types of hallucinogenic substances, but I saw all these things when I was a kid. So when I learned what people saw on these substances, I quickly learned, oh, well, that's not fun because I'm experiencing these things without these substances. And again, I grew up in a Baptist household, folks. I grew up in, you know, I didn't eat very well. I was overweight. I ate a lot of processed food, a lot of garbage. But nothing that was going to make you hallucinate that in, in waking, you know, moonlight or daylight, because I saw things in the daylight, too. I've, you could feel a presence that's not always kind. I think everybody has that ability. And for some reason, I was fascinated with it. So I guess I allowed myself to remain open to it. So they, I don't feel the need to take acid. I don't feel the need to take ayahuasca. And maybe that makes me ignorant. And maybe I'll change my mind one day. I just don't see a need to do that. I've experienced enough. I have seen the same things that other people see. I don't need to surrender my body to those experiences, especially willingly and especially because I feel like there's a lot of trauma there and, and because a lot of the things I saw were not kind and, and were not happy looking. So I'm telling you that because I've experienced a lot of these things without the need of those substances. And whether they're positive, negative, happy, scary, or a combination of those experiences, shamans for tens of thousands of years saw those things, geometric patterns, entopic phenomena, therianthropic beings, the same exact things that alien abductees today say that they see. And famous researchers, you know, your John Max, your, uh, is it, I think David Jacobs, another name that comes to mind, they don't see a connection between the shamanic practices and what they see and what UFO abductees see. But there's clearly enough evidence to find far more than a casual relationship. Whether it's the implants in the body, or it's the levitation taken right out of the home, right out of the car, going up to the sky, to a ship, to a room. It's the same thing. Same thing with fairies even. Alien abductees report seeing these small little two to three to four foot tall gray beings. Although these small beings or little people are described as having ash, you know, ashy, like gray, pale, smooth skin, they're sometimes called little green men in popular culture. And how appropriate is it then that within folklore and legend, the fairy, a very tiny person of the same height and stature, uh, uh, you know, is essentially you know, a, a gray. <laughs> and they're green, actually. They wear green clothing. You know, the leprechauns, they wear green. Fairies wear green. They're the same height and stature of a gray alien, but they wear green. They're little green men, little green men, little green men. 
Uh, you know, researchers of the alien abduction phenomena refer to precisely the same types of experiences that shamans have had for literally thousands and tens of thousands of years. The strong parallels to these mythical beings like sprites, fairies, and elves. Elves are just a, 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 a species of fairy, if you want to get real nerdy and technical. And they don't look like Orlando Bloom. They're, they're much different than that. These parallels can not be overlooked. And they mean that what we see as the other world, we had to have reached that by some intention. Even if it was initially accidental to explore it, there's intention. However, people in the, the jungles discovered ayahuasca as we know it today. It was discovered, it was given to man, whatever. You know, the gods taught it to them, whatever. It, it was imparted, it, the knowledge is there, and the experience is there, and it was cultivated, and now it's a sacred thing. Researchers refer to screen memories in UFO abductions, right? Wherein the abductee remembers not the experience, but instead the disturbing image of an owl staring with large black eyes through their window. Others see insect-like creatures, insectoids. The same phenomenon is also found in the field of cryptozoology. Dogmen, wolfmen, Anubis-like men looking in the window, sometimes appearing in the home, in the bedroom. In popular culture and folklore, the hat man, the smiling man, and even the sandman all play similar roles. In fact, the sandman's interesting because the sandman puts you to sleep. When the shaman is abducted, when the alien abductee is abducted, what happens? You have this unnatural sleep that falls over the home. Same thing with fairies come to get you. I mean, whether it's the spirits of the shamans, it's the aliens of the experiencers, it's the fairies of you know medieval and Victorian Europe and even into to, to modern times, or it's the Whitley-Strieber story. Everybody goes into this unnatural deep sleep. Everybody's kind of paralyzed. Time stops. And that's the Sandman. The Sandman puts you to sleep. I mean... For the shaman, these are guides and teachers. And for a lot of alien abductees, these are guides and teachers. But it also could be our closed-mindedness in, in some capacity to these types of experiences that lead us to rejecting uh, you know, the positive elements of it because we haven't opened up ourselves and allowed ourselves to accept it. But that's a dangerous notion in an unprepared uh, a society that's mentally unprepared to deal with such things, You know, just like people that are emotionally unprepared to deal with sex it's the same thing with people that are emotionally uh, emotionally un, un, unavailable or mo emotionally stunted in a state of arrested development they can't process things so you can't say like oh, it's a good thing to try these these substances because you're just putting people on recreational drugs for them to escape reality and that can't be helpful at all and i think uh i think that that's a fair statement to make that that's kind of you know one of my problems with with the usage of these types of substances. Now, these, these things that people see, you know, s some of these, these creatures, they're, they're like a combination of, you know, animal, man, etc., and they change. They're shapeshifters. They, they alter their appearance. You know, the famous John Mack also confirmed this. He said the aliens appear to be consummate shapeshifters, often appearing initially to the abductees as animals, owls, eagles, raccoons, and deer uh, are among the creatures the abductees have seen initially. And although he was not entirely convinced that UFOs were nuts and bolts craft, he did take an objective approach to gathering 
know, data and submitting theories. He said, what kind of matter is the alien abduction phenomenon? It seems to belong to the class of phenomena not even generally accepted as existing by mainstream Western science that seems not to be of this visible, known material universe and yet appear, uh, appears to manifest in it. These are phenomena that seem to cross over or to violate the radical separation of the spirit and unseen realms from the material world. Maybe the spirit world energizes the physical, and maybe the physical energizes the spirit world. We need each other. Doesn't matter which one came first, we need each other to, to, to coexist together. I'm looking in the chat room right now, and uh, yeah, I, that's yeah, exactly it. <laughs> Malorcus, I need the... I need the water filtration. Yes, get a Pro One water filter at thesecretteachings.info. Maybe that's what stopped the hallucinations. And uh, those experiences when I was a kid were in Florida. And some of them did happen in West Virginia. Why do people really know? Do you really know my life that well? You guys really know my life that well? You, you, you know that? You know, I lived in, in those states when I was in high school. I don't know if that's creepy or if that's a good thing. If you could, as long as you guys aren't hunting me down or something. It's a good thing, which by the way, if you want to send the show something, I mean, you don't have to like buy us something or make us something. If you want to send us a letter, whatever you can do it. If you go to the website, you can find the PO box number. If you go to the about page and contact, you'll see the PO box there. Eight, five, seven, two, three. That's eight, five, seven, two, three PO box, eight, five, seven, two, three PO box, eight, five, seven, two, three Tucson, Arizona. And it should get there with that, but they told me also to add this number, 85754. That's 85754-5723. So P.O. Box 85723, Tucson, Arizona. And then the other number is on the website, on the contact section of the website, thesecretteachings.info. And yes, some of those experiences were in West Virginia. Uh, some of the scariest ones were when I, w- I was living in Orlando. And I also felt a lot of weird things when I lived in, in Boise, Idaho. I mean, something obviously was an experience that I was having no matter where I went. It, you know, it had to do with me. But whatever the reasoning, you know, whatever is responsible for these hallucinations, whether it's in people that are abducted by aliens, people that are abducted by the ayahuasca vine, if you will, and considering that some interactions with theorianthropics, spirits, aliens, etc., purely hallucinatory, which that certainly is the case, there, there, there may be a more concrete reality to such, to such things. And, and it's also with shamans, you have spirit spouses and spirit children and fairies. You have these fairy children and changelings and people that have missing time when they go between these worlds. And you have all the same characteristics. You also have these breeding experiments or breeding programs that seem to be rooted in reality uh, because people often feel a, a longing or a desire to to be with these 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 hybrid offspring that they that they see in these so-called hallucinatory states i mean is that just outright psychosis uh, i mean i don't think that's the case shamans and alien abductees both report beings coming into their rooms to have intercourse with them i mean we would call that a um uh, an incubus or a succubus, uh, or to take them for purposes that are kind of unknown, but usually um, for th- something relating to, to to sex. Shamans are known to have spirit spouses and children. Alien abductees, very similar kind of thing. You know, of course, alien abductees experience sperm being taken. Uh, Graham Hancock wrote about this in Supernaturally. Said, "Quote: 
where male abductees are concerned sperm samples are repeatedly taken and hybrid babies are displayed to them with the strong mental suggestion that this are or is their offspring. Like female abductees who are sometimes artificially inseminated and sometimes impregnated directly in acts of sexual intercourse with the alien being, male abductees also have sex with the alien females. And both aliens, abductees of aliens, shamans, report seeing what amount to breeding pods with hybrid beings, hybrid babies. Uh, Siberian shamans, for example, are made aware of how souls are incubated in nests on a shamanic world tree, very similar to the geometrical structures that people are showing on, on spaceships. And it's all part of, of the soul, of the spirit. It's the same thing, whether it's a Siberian shaman or it's an alien abductee, they're seeing very, 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 very similar things. Uh, there's a guy named, uh, he was a reverend, Robert Kirk, who shared accounts from the 17th century of Scottish mothers abducted during pregnancy to wet nurse the babies of fairies. And uh, these stories and the rooms that these women are taken to are essentially interchangeable with modern descriptions of rooms on board UFOs, where women are taken to nurse hybrid children. There's a lot of a lot of things here. I mean, even aliens imparting you know special books. But, uh, the Betty and Barney Hill case, Betty was given a book, and it the alien took it back before she was returned. But the same story of a, a shaman named Maria Sabina, who was an Indian shaman who practiced in Mexico in the 1950s, and she was also she was illiterate. She was given a book by these spirit beings, and she re- learned how to read instantaneously. So, you know, psychoactive plants aren't always needed to enter these worlds, especially considering that the vast number of alien abductees, even accounting for delusions, influences on the subconscious from popular culture, etc., do not take ayahuasca. You know, many of them have also been highly trained military personnel. (laughs) And, you know, a lot of people will lose respect, relationships, jobs, family, etc., for simply telling of their experiences. And that's, that's wrong. Culturally, societally, that needs to change in the same way that our perception of things like ayahuasca needs to change. But in order to change it, there needs to be a, a, the element of responsibility there. Changing it so that you can just get high all the time legally, I mean, that's kind of the whole reason that there's a law in place anyway, because people can't handle themselves. That's not necessarily fair. It's not necessarily just. But there's a reason for that, because people, if you don't have a moral an ethical uh, element within society or within the self, then, you know, it's unfortunate, but everybody has to lose out because you can't control yourself. And there's a lot of other elements that go into this, you know, sociology, the, the, just the way that we interact with each other, the way that we think, the culture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But these, these perceptions of those types of things need to change. Even if I don't like ayahuasca myself, I don't want to, to, to do any of this because I've experienced the same things According to people that have done them, I've experienced the same things without them, and I'm good. You know, I'm good, and I can respect your choice to do it as long as it's responsible. You should respect my choice not to do it. You know, even like I was reading about fairy circles, and you know, the fairy circles, the fairy lights, it's just a rotating ring of lights. What I mean, that's what, what is that? It's a flying saucer. Right? Same kind of thing. Fairies and aliens, for example, also share in technological advancements too because 
you know, fairies have the fairy blast or what's called the elf shot, which sounds, you know, very similar to alien weapons that paralyze victims but don't cause external injuries. I mean, even humans have, you know, sonic type weapons and things like that. And again, fairies are just as interested in breeding with humans as shamanic spirits and aliens. And those are, you know, your, your uh, incubus or your incubi and your succubuses. Uh, the different, you know, male and female versions of it. The the succubus is the female version. The incubus is the male version. Like if you ever saw that TV show Evil, that's the demon that comes into into the lady's room. Uh, the fact is, for about two hundred thousand years, uh, when full anatomical modernity was reached, and perhaps earlier, some argue earlier, man had the brains and neurological capacity to think in similar terms as we do in contemporary times, and more specifically. Something seems to have triggered an incredible transformation of, of, of the psyche of the mind about 40,000 years ago and, and how this brain power was utilized. 35,000 years ago in Europe, 27,000 years, years ago in Africa, you know, beautiful and thought-provoking art began to appear seemingly from nowhere in caves and on rocks. It appeared in an established and sophisticated form without any evidence, at least that we have, of any pre-formation of such ideas and concepts. Professor David Lewis Williams, as well as Graham Hancock, takes it further. They say the catalyst was the cultivation of altered states of consciousness, most notably and probably first experienced by our ancestors through the accidental consumption of plant or fungal hallucinogens, which were also used in the mystery schools. We can theorize then that this realization and development, although very sudden, was certainly not achieved simultaneously across all cultures. It was gradual. Nevertheless, what may have been accidental discoveries of altered states of consciousness induced through plant or fungal hallucinogens were likely then intentionally sought out and perfected as they remain today. The relationship between shamanic traditions in Central and South Africa, Australia, and the Amazon rainforest mixed with the interest in sprites throughout medieval and Victorian times in Europe and with UFOs and aliens in North America and other places in contemporary times, it proves a more than sudden and coincidental connection between all of these different things. For them to be so consistent over such a long period of time with any, without any kind of like real world stimulus is, is more than a mysterious matter. And some people can slip into these states without the drugs. They can pump it, they could, you know, pop into these states. They just pop up with, with, uh, you know, without doing anything. There's also the ritual dancing. There's, you know, the, the dehydration, the, Starving yourself, self-mutilation, etc. But, but the, the whole point is the idea of the world of illusions, which is the name of tonight's show. The, the world of illusions. And it's, it's, it's really incredible that you know, shamans are supposed to be these guides to teach and to help and to heal. And they go into the other worlds to do this. And they use sacred plants to do this. Today we have pharmaceutical companies. We have psychological units working within government to alter perception, to intentionally use drugs to alter perception, taking sacred substances and weaponizing them. And weaponizing perception as well. And contrary to shamanic tradition in particular, these things are not about exploration and growth. They're not even about healing. They don't heal us. They make us sicker. We're promised... The shaman promises healing and knowledge and provides us with sacred substances to take us into these altered states. 
the pharmaceutical company, the, the politician, the, those that have sold their souls to the narrative, they promise us security, safety, safe and effective. They promise us healing, but they're locking our perception in a narrow bandwidth and controlling the physical body by extinguishing connection to source and providing us with this altered perception, this warped perception of the world. Stockholm Syndrome, Munchauser by proxy, just outright delusion. It's harder and harder to figure out what reality is. And so we have to go back to the basics to do that. And part of the basics include, once we can get through the fake shamans and the hookers dressed like shamans at conferences with their tits popped out, you know, when you get past all that, you realize that there's a legitimacy to all of this. There is another world, an underworld, an other world, an upper world, whatever world. There are things like aliens and spirits and demons and some of it's metaphoric, some of it's symbolic, some of it's real, some of it's based on the, 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 the philosophy of it, the psychology of it, some of it's based on those experiences directly. But those things can also be weaponized, so we have to be careful. We're living in a world of illusions, and we have to be sure that we don't get trapped by them. TheSecretTeachings.info is the website. Listen to the show there for free. Subscribe to the archive, though, please. Buy a book. Support the show. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. You keep buying books and subscribing to the show. We'll keep broadcasting five nights a week here on The Fringe FM. www.thesecretteachings.info Stay tuned to The Fringe. I'm Ryan Gable. We'll talk to you in the next broadcast. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.